Welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverScreenAndRoll.com. I am Christian Rivas, joined by Jacob Rude, and we are here to talk about the postseason Lakers because I'm the playing is the postseason. Let's just get that out of the way right now. If your team qualified for the postseason and had a playoff drought, it's over. Congratulations, you made it. Uh, the Lakers will. Go into the postseason as a number seven seed, uh, which is another reason I'm just comfortable saying the postseason because they're Knock one of the on eight wood. teams. They would <laughs> they would have made it anyway. Yeah, right now they're the number seven seed. They will play the number eight seed Golden State Warriors on Wednesday to be the number seven seed once and for all. Before we get into all of that, Jacob, how are you doing today? It was a... It was a fun day. It was an exhausting day. Uh, covering the Hornets and Wizards game uh, earlier in the afternoon, in the morning for uh, West Coasters. Um, the uh, I really enjoyed having all these games go off simultaneously. Uh, I hope that is something that also sticks around because that made it fun with like the live updating it didn't really matter as much in the east because ultimately it kind of boiled down to whoever won that wizards hornets game was going to be the eighth seed and the other team was probably going to be the 10 seed but the western conference everybody tipping off at the same time made it really interesting with teams winning and losing and how that was dictating because basically by the end of the night the lakers had realized that they're not going to move up so they started pulling guys and stuff so i enjoyed that but that was that was a it was a wild weekend with lots of action and just kind of exhausting to even just sit and watch basically what's funny is like there was all this talk about you know the shuffling that could go on on sunday and uh, the implications of you know the the Blazers potentially losing and then the Lakers winning, only for the standings, at least in the Western Conference, to remain the same as they were from the day before. That's hilarious to me, uh, and I, I agree. I would like to see all these games going on at one time uh, stay. Like I hope that's here to stay. But also, like the one game that Lakers fans. Uh, we're keeping their eye on was that Blazers Nuggets game, and that got out of hand immediately. Yeah, I was gonna say with like <laughs> within seconds. So uh, maybe you know this year wasn't the best example in the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference, but generally speaking, I think it was a lot of fun. Uh, the Clippers, hats off to them for just do like they had already secured not seeing the Lakers in the first round. But just for safety, they lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder today uh, and, and gave the Nuggets the number two seed. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about any of these matchups in the Western Conference right now. Maybe it's just because they're on a five-game winning streak and, you know, the, <laughs> the Clippers losing 
making it seem like you know they don't want to play the Lakers. Maybe it's all of these things that make me think anybody the Lakers play from here on out is it's hard to argue against the Lakers being the favorites. And I think that's especially true in the case of uh, the Lakers' Sun series. But before that, before they can even get to a, a proper playoff series, they have to play Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors in a one a one game series, at least against the Warriors. How are you feeling going into that game? Before before I go into that, uh, because I do have some thoughts on it. The Clippers outright tanked these last two games, <laughs> and I'm not really sure why it's a debate. I yeah. I have many friends that are Clippers fans. I, I really don't understand why they're so defensive about it because objectively it was the smartest thing to do. Avoid the Lakers. This is not a normal seven seed. Like if situations were flipped, the Lakers were in the top four and say the Warriors were getting Clay Thompson back this year. And it's similar to how the Lakers did with LeBron. You would want to avoid the Warriors. Like you would want none of that. So like, I, they did the right thing by tanking a hundred percent. I'm going to get these jokes off. I, I don't care whether it was a smart thing or not. Uh, but I, after all the games tonight, I, I said it was objectively the smartest thing to do, but be careful messing with the basketball gods because that can come back to bite you. And if there's any franchise that does not need to mess with the basketball gods anymore, you would think it would be the Clippers, but uh, they're tempting fate here because they maneuvered their way into a 4-5 matchup against a Mavericks team with Luka looking really, really good, and that's a really hot Mavericks team. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about all that later. The 7-8 <laughs> the game, listen, this could be old takes exposed in three days. Steph is phenomenal. Uh, he was phenomenal again on Sunday. Won the scoring title in style. I'm not worried about the Warriors. Um, the Lakers have a history of being able to defend perimeter players really well. Um, particularly last year in the playoffs. Steph is a different beast. But I mean, they handled Damian Lillard. And they handled James Harden just fine. Um, now, if you want to make a counter argument, you can say it took them one game in each of those series to get the blueprint. And they don't they aren't afforded one game to lose before they get the blueprint down. Um, but nonetheless, I am interested to see how they defend him. But if there's one thing the Lakers have lots of, it's perimeter defenders specifically guards who can chase him around. Um, so Steph is terrifying, but I, I'm not worried about the Warriors as a whole because the rest of the team is just not very good. Um, Draymond on some nights is, but the rest of the team, like who's guarding it. I assume the Lakers, you can play big against them. So you're going to have LeBron, AD and one of the centers and who's guarding that <laughs> like somebody who Draymond can only guard one of those guys. So two of those guys are going to have the advantage. So um, 
I've seen a lot of people worried about the Warriors. Um, I again, I want to give Steph as much credit as possible, but the rest of that team doesn't worry me nearly as much. There's a huge drop off from Steph and Draymond to everyone else. The Lakers went two and one against the Warriors this year. Uh, their first game against the Warriors was 115-113 in the Warriors' favor. That was on January 18th. Uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis were both healthy for that one. And it, it is the only game the Lakers have played against the Warriors where LeBron James and Anthony Davis were healthy. In the games, LeBron and AD uh, weren't healthy, or at, or at least just AD. Um, you have February 18th uh, against the Lakers, uh, the Lakers won that game 117 to 91. And in the following game, uh, again, without Anthony Davis, the Lakers won 128 to 97. Um, so, what I'm asking you is are the Lakers a better team against the Warriors without Anthony Davis? <laughs> are you suggesting we should bench Anthony Davis? For yeah, for that game? Like, like, picture what we did with JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard against the Rockets, but with <laughs> Anthony Davis. The uproar that would cost. I'm here for it. Vogel, Vogel's <laughs> earned his credit. Let's do it. Uh, no, it's interesting looking at that game where they were uh, healthy. Um, I mean, even in that game, Steph went 8 for 22 and was 3 of 12 from 3. Um, Kelly Oubre had 23 points, and he's, I believe, done for the season. Um, Wiggins had 18. Eric Pascal had 19 off the bench. Um um, goes literally directly against my idea that none of the other guys worry me um, because it was a lot of the other guys that did the damage. Uh, but no, like I said, Ubre's out. Pascal is just back from injury. Wiseman played that game and he's not, he's done for the season. Um, I mean, that team has had a lot of turnover since that too. Brad Wanamaker played that game. He's done for the season or he was traded. I mean, um, so that team looks a lot different than that game. I remember that game being incredibly frustrating, which uh, understandably so, because they were outscored by 13 in the fourth quarter to lose. Um, they had a big lead and basically blew it. It was, with LeBron and AD, probably the most frustrating loss of the season. Um, but that was also when AD was hobbled basically or whatever the issue he was going through the first half of the season mm -hmm. that led to those Draymond comments about uh can't remember exactly how he worded it but he's like some I won't name in really bad shape or something and he I mean read between the lines it was AD mm -hmm. um so I don't know I don't know how much you can even take away from that that one game um because I mean, that was the 15th game of the season. That was so long ago. So much has changed for both these teams. Um, so, and then obviously you really can't take, you can't take a ton away from the games where AD didn't even play. So I, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they approach this game. Um, I don't know. I, it, it's going to be fascinating to me because, uh, Am I, I think it, the game's going to look a lot more like these 128 to 97 score lines than mm -hmm. it will the 115, 113 one. Um, 
because I just don't think the Warriors are going to be able to get stops on the Lakers um, to really make up for – like Steph is just going to score every time down because the Lakers are going to get a lot more easier buckets. But, yeah, it's interesting looking at the season series because it was pretty much the opposite of what you would expect <laughs> considering who we had available. Right, and I think the the general assumption uh, when it comes to this Lakers-Warriors matchup is that the Lakers are going to win the battle in the front court, and I think that will be true because the Lakers are just so much bigger than the Warriors, and uh, you know, with all due respect to Draymond Green and Kevon Looney, uh, much more skilled than both of those two. But Draymond Green and, and Kevon Looney are both really talented defensive big men and you know at least for a little bit last season uh it looked like the the player that anthony davis struggled the most against were kind of those undersized uh defensively talented big men like pj tucker uh didn't seem to have much problem for the rest of that houston series but at the beginning it looked like that might be a problem for him uh 80s moving really well right now LeBron looked like he was really moving really well on Sunday. And though I think Andrew Wiggins is leaps and bounds a a better player than he was last season. It just, it just seems like he's figuring out how to play winning basketball and honestly, just basketball in general. I've really enjoyed (laughs) watching Andrew Wiggins this season is what I'm saying. That being said, I don't know if if he's the LeBron James stopper. I don't know if he's going to (laughs) get a play in MVP for holding, um, LeBron James to 35 points per game or whatever Andre Iguodala got his for. Uh, it, it's I'm not stupid enough to say the Warriors won't win flat out because uh, Steph Curry is just insane. I enjoy watching him probably more than I watch any basketball player in the league. And you know, LeBron said that. He thinks that Steph Curry is the MVP of the league. I don't know if I'd go that far, but his, <laughs> his he's, statistics... lay, he's laying the foundation early. <laughs> the statistics certainly rival his MVP campaigns, which is nuts. Because w- when you look at those seasons Steph had, you think, okay, well, that, that's a once in a lifetime season for any player. Like he was just incredibly hot that season. No way we'll see a season from him like that again. And I get his usage percentage uh, and, and his responsibility with this Warriors team is far greater than it was on on any of those aforementioned um, like Dynasty Warriors teams. However, the fact that he's doing this again, he led the league in scoring, um, is just is just insane. And I really hope the the Warriors are the team that ends up getting the eighth seed. Uh, I just hope that their playoff berth is not by way of beating the Lakers in a one game series. <laughs> the by the like the straight definition of most valuable player, I think it would be Steph hands down. Like I don't think any one person is more valuable to their team's success than Steph. You don't think Jordan Poole would lead the Lakers or the the Warriors to the number eight seed in the the Western Conference (laughs) he would try I mean he would certainly put up the shots to try but no I don't think he would so I mean if you're just looking at it from that sense uh, I can understand that Um, I mean team success probably factors into it I mean 
Should team success, you think, factor into MVP voting? Well, okay. I think to an extent it should, but generally speaking, I am in the camp of would this team be as good as they are, even if it is just an eighth seed without this player? And um, not just would this team be good, like this good, how much did this player contribute uh, to this team being this good? And that's why I I always find it really interesting, uh, even more so than like the player debate is is just the criteria of of the MVP debate. Uh, Because I think, you know, by that logic, Steph has a great argument. Julius Randle has a fantastic argument. And then mm-hmm. uh, Chris Paul, whose numbers aren't as flashy as as the other two, um, you know, him coming in and churning that franchise around into the number two seed in, in the Western Conference. Obviously, Monty Williams played a big role in that. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up with a Coach of the Year award at the end of the season. But uh, yeah, by that metric, I think. LeBron's probably onto something, but uh, to be fair, by Le- by LeBron's metric, he is also in that conversation. Yeah, that's fair, and we have literal evidence this year of how in the conversation he should be. That Julius Rain, I mean, you're 100 percent right on Julius Randall. He like, I I don't think it's out of the question that he's like top five in the MVP. He's he would probably be fifth in that. Like, you would have. I think Jokic probably is going to win the MVP and he it's fair. Like he, he's really, really damn good. And that whole Denver offense runs through him. Um, Embiid honestly probably would be the MVP if he didn't get hurt. Um, Which is again, through kind of no fault of his own. Steph is up there. I would probably put Chris Paul fourth, but then after that, like you're looking at, I think Julius Randle has like a legitimate case for being next in line, um, which is just wild. Like I watched him a couple times um, down the stretch of the season between um, just covering games that teams played the Knicks and whatnot. Um, And he just the amount of contested jumpers he just buries. Like, I don't know how sustainable it is, but that he, I mean, he's done it the whole year, so I I really don't know what more kind of sample size you need. Um, I think he's a shoe-in for most improved player. Like, I don't even think that one's a debate. Um which will be two years running that a former Laker has won most improved player. Um, I just find him, his season absolutely fascinating, but um, yeah, I mean that the Lakers are going to have to go through Steph who we just talked about how important he is um, to that team. I mean, it's, it's going to be a tough task. Um, We gave the, examples from last season but at the end of the day neither of those guys were like mvp level good so this is a step above um your dames and your um james hardens from last year i mean it was james harden in the playoffs so it wasn't it wasn't that hard to stop him he kind of takes himself out of it uh 
but yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I will say I'm a lot more confident after this weekend of basketball from the Lakers. Like, d- did your confidence or comfort with this team change at all after this weekend? I think seeing AD look as good as he's looked um, has has boosted my confidence quite a bit. And I also think, and and you know what I'm what I'm gonna say is some similar to how I feel about LeBron James. I think what makes me feel the most confidence is that Anthony Davis has played all of these games, and not every time his. Achilles tendinosis is mentioned or his calf strain is mentioned. He kind of plays it off and is like, you know, I I haven't even thought about it since I returned, to be honest with you. And it's one thing to say that it's another thing to look like it on the court where it obviously isn't bothering him. And um, I don't know if his shooting touch is all the way there yet. I honestly don't know if LeBron's shooting touch is going to be all the way there, but Man, if if the Lakers' backup plan with their two-star players is just having them attack the rim relentlessly, um, there are few guys in the league I'd rather do that with. Um, I mean, I guess Giannis and and Embiid, yeah. but uh, I mean LeBron and AD. If you if you don't have a team with Giannis and Embiid, I, I think you'd say, settle for I LeBron and AD. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't think there's any two teammates I would probably rather have. You'd be You'd literally have to form some type of super team to uh, to best those two. I uh, I was still pretty hesitant on w- just basically where LeBron was because to go from not playing to I mean you're immediately in high intensity games um, and he's talked in the past. I mean if you remember last year he's talked about kind of r- ramping his body up to that point in a season to be ready for the playoffs. So he mm-hmm. went from not playing to coming back and it clearly wasn't working. Um, and then him immediately going back on the bench. Like I was worried cause we, there wasn't a lot of time to get it right. And I, boy, these, I, I think from like a having comfort in LeBron standpoint, I don't think these two games could have went any better. Like, uh, He's made multiple plays that he you have to have a fully healed ankle <laughs> to mm-hmm. to make those plays. Like the flashy play was the alley oop he had early in that Pacer game, that monster alley oop. Like he wasn't making that play a week and a half ago when he first came back from this injury. Um, but I think the one that really sealed it for me was in Sunday's game when. Uh, it was the first half. I, I don't remember specifically when, but he basically shot the pa- shot the gap on the passing lane, tipped the ball out in front of him, chased it down, fended off two Pelicans, and finished at the rim under control. Like, if his ankle isn't 100%, there's so many ways that that play wouldn't have worked. He wouldn't have been able to shoot mm-hmm. the gap. He wouldn't have been able to hold those guys off, and he wouldn't have been able to, to go up under control. So, um but I think I like probably literally every other Laker fan watching it at the end of the game had a minor panic attack when he uh, stepped on Nikhil Alexander Walker's foot because I typically am pretty calm in those situations. But when they showed the camera angle where he like laid his head on the ground and it just looked like he had a, Oh God, I did it again 
face. I think it probably scared him more than anything because he immediately jumped up and started testing his ankle out. And it, I mean, when he, when they showed him on the sideline laughing and whatnot, I, I kind of breathed a sigh of relief and he immediately played it off uh, post game, but I, I could not be more confident in LeBron and AD's health going into the playoffs now. Which was the number one priority. And it was always going to be even more than seeding. Um, I, you know, I, I do think I maintain that seeding matters quite a bit, uh, especially in the Western conference this year. But um, I mean, if you're the Lakers, you, you have to like the, the, at least the first two matchups you're getting, um, you know, the, the warriors and Suns in the Western conference probably have one of the more, um, how do I say this ill-prepared like, front courts to face the Lakers and, and wing depth um, all due respect again to Andrew Wiggins and uh, who, who do they got over in Phoenix? Uh, Mikhail Bridges and Jay Crowder. Oh, listen, <laughs> I, uh, I would like the Lakers to win that first play in the game. Cause uh, although I am in fear of putting any Laker in danger, I don't I don't like Jay Crowder and I would like the Lakers to to beat his team. I uh I had I, I did not enjoy his uh antics in the finals last year, uh trying to yank guys' arms. Um I yeah, I I would happily like to beat him <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> uh I was just trying to think I, I don't and I think we discussed this previously, but I don't think there's a top four team that we match up better with than the Suns. Um, I mean, we saw it when we didn't even have LeBron, which to be fair, AD had like an all-time game, but yeah. <laughs> um, he had all-time games in the postseason last season too. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, maybe we can just tell them they're back in the bubble or something. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's a team they match up better with. Um, again, I don't want to put the cart ahead of the horse. We still have to win the play-in game, but assuming we do, um, that's a very fa- that's not only a very favorable first-round matchup, which pour one out for the Suns because after all these years of <laughs> of agony and whatnot, uh, I think their last playoff appearance was when we beat them in 2010 um, to go 10 years without a playoff appearance. And then surprise, you get LeBron and AD and the defending champions in round one. Um, They have every right to be furious, but uh, to not only um, get that matchup in round one, but honestly, I think the two teams they matched up worst with were, the Jazz and Clippers, mm-hmm. and they avoid them until the Western Conference Finals. Um, we've talked Denver without Jamal Murray is just not nearly as terrifying, even though Michael Porter Jr. has been incredible since Murray went down. But uh, I'm not nearly as worried about that team without Jamal Murray. So, again, I don't want to get – I don't want to be old takes exposed or anything, but, like <laughs> – the way this shook out, 
um, considering that the Lakers probably were never going to make it out of the play playing game, I don't know that it could have shaken out better, assuming that they beat the Warriors on Wednesday. Yeah, and I want to clarify um, that I, I'm not treating Wednesday's game or like if, if the Lakers win on Wednesday, uh, the Sun series as guaranteed wins because one, I think that's dumb. They're in the position they're in for a reason. Uh, the, the Suns aren't a second seed by any fluke. Um, too, I also think that's just kind of boring to to approach any every game or, or series. Like, you know, the Lakers are so much better than the other team. It's it's like a guarantee that they're going to win. Maybe that's true. Uh, but as a fan, I, I want to watch entertaining games. And, you know, I think this Warriors game and hopefully, you know, that Sun series will be exactly that. I... I don't know about you, but I am just so much more excited for this postseason than I was last year. Uh, I mean, I don't know because last year I was just begging to have NBA games back. <laughs> um, I was I just badly wanted any sports uh, sporting events back. I I again I don't want to like pile on uh, on phoenix here but like i think a large part of their success is that they just never had guys out especially their important ones which i mean i don't mean that as a bad thing that means that they have a ton of chemistry built that a lot of other teams don't have um even in their first year with chris paul and whatnot like they've um relative to the rest of the league they've gotten a lot of minutes together. Um, so that would be the biggest challenge. Um, looking at that Phoenix team would just be the amount of minutes that they've played together. But when you're talking about to kind of bring this back to, to Wednesday, if you're talking about players that have played together, like Steph and Draymond, are, like, I don't know that anybody has a better understanding of each other's games than, than those two um i again the warriors were the pelicans played them three times in the final eight games so i watched them a bunch and those two have it down perfectly with those dribble handoffs uh, draymond knows when to fake it when the defense overplays and get to the rim and in a one game series like weird things can happen um so in that sense you should be the late, I don't know, worried, but aware, I guess, is what the Lakers should be, um, which, I, I mean, I don't need to tell them to be aware of Steph and Draymond, basically. Um, but yeah, they're, they're coming. I guess the rest of the, the Warriors may not have all that chemistry because it's just a lot of other guys, basically. But um it's going to have to be a very disciplined approach, which the I think is one of the ways I would positively describe the Lakers last postseason was disciplined. They knew the game plan and they executed it to perfection almost every time through the Western Conference. Um, and then there was just a couple of hiccups in the in the finals. But I mean, obviously nothing big. So. I mean, yeah, looking at the minutes, the Phoenix starting five has played the most minutes together. Um, 
by some margin of any five-man lineup. Um, so that's going to be their biggest strength is just the cohesiveness that they're going to have. Um, so it's going to be interesting. But, yeah, ultimately I I think that these two or this for, uh, playing game and first round – for now, knock on wood, Donald takes expose me. I don't think it could have played out better for the Lakers. Uh, moving away from the Lakers, I want to do this before we head out of here. Uh, predictions for the other playing games in both conferences. So the other one is Grizzly Spurs. Yeah, Pacers Hornets and Celtics Wizards. Let's start Pacers Hornets uh, because that is a team you follow closely. Man, the Hornets have completely run out of gas, and the Pacers hate their head coach. So I guess who who will self-combust less is, <laughs> is a matter. Uh, as much as I would like the Hornets to win, it's really hard to pick them right now because they are struggling. Um, so for now, I think the Pacers will probably win that game. You got Celtics-Wizards. Um I mean, other than Jalen Brown, and I think we are looking at their injury report the other day. Tristan Thompson's out with some chest injury. I don't know. Uh, but the, the Wizards just figured it out towards the end of the season, figured out how to make Westbrook and Beal work. Um, yeah, I I would like to pick the Wizards. I don't know if they will win for sure, but if, if there's – Anything I'd like to see, it is Russell Westbrook just <laughs> going like full Tasmanian devil against the Boston Celtics and willing the Washington Wizards to the seventh seed in the Western Conference to play Kevin Durant in the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> I'm here for it. Give it to me immediately. Yeah, I'm not going to pick the Celtics, um, but... I- the one concern I have is Bradley Beal was very clearly not a hundred percent against the Hornets and they couldn't really take advantage of it. Uh, that hamstring was very much bothering him. Um, I think the Celtics are. Frauds. De- well, yeah. And they're also, they're also dead men walking. Like they just want the season to be done with. Right. Um, I'm not going to back a team that just looks like out on their feet, basically. Um, so I would take the Wizards in that game. Russ has been incredible. Like him getting the triple-double record was really dope. I know that analytics Twitter doesn't care about triple-doubles anymore. St- Russ's career has just been wild. Like he went from like underrated uh, with the the Thunder early on to like overrated – I know that MVP award, a lot of people look back on um, and kind of, I don't want to say regret, but it it isn't fondly looked back on by a lot of kind of neutrals. So now I think he's honestly underrated again. Mm -hmm. Like he's, he's just like a force of nature. And during that fourth quarter Sunday against the Hornets, he was, he realized that Beal wasn't healthy. Beal did not play well. 
And he was just like, all right, I'm just attacking the rim every time. And he had about three, four, five possessions in a row where he just drew fouls, went to the line, and just kept knocking shots down. Um, I don't know who's going to guard him. If Beal's healthy, that's going to be a brutal matchup for the Celtics without Jalen Brown now. I'm trying to match up against both those guys. So uh, I will never pick the Celtics. So I will take the Wizards on that one. Uh, the last one is Grizzly Spurs. And although I understand that whoever wins that series will probably lose to the Warriors in the next playing game, um, I think I'll have to take the Spurs in that one. I think I just like their roster a little more. Have you looked at the Spurs through the lap since like Oh yeah, I'm I'm fully aware. Um I don't know who is injured on their team right now. Um but I mean if, if it's them at full I I don't know. I just really like the players on their roster. Like I think Keldon Johnson's cool. I think DeJounte Murray's cool. Um so yeah, maybe it's not the smart choice, but it's the one my heart wants me to make. Uh in, in terms of injuries, looks like they're missing Trey Lyles and Derek White's out for the season. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I'm probably going to be uh, wrong. And again, it doesn't matter because the Warriors are probably going to win the next game anyway. Or the Lakers. You never know. The The Spurs were 31 and 29 on April 26th and then went 2 and 10 in their next 12 games to end the season. They literally did everything they possibly could to let the Pelicans and then the Kings get into the play-in game. And because they're the Pelicans and the Kings, they refused. And so the Spurs hung on to it. Uh, I think Memphis wins that. Spurs, again, look like another team that are like dead on their feet, basically. Um, I know they had the COVID outbreak earlier in the season, but uh, I would take the Grizzlies – and then we literally saw today what happens when the Warriors play the Grizzlies. Uh, God, I can't believe we're here already. That'll do it for this, this week's show. Next week, I don't... Hmm, hmm, hmm. I'm not familiar with the playoff schedule this year. I'm being honest with you. But I think if the Lakers win their playing game, they will have played their first actual playoff game by the next time we talk uh assuming we record on sunday that is insane to me i hope they win the their playing game um i believe the playing tournament ends on the 21st uh so i mean that sounds right we might even be doing a post game show yeah i uh i can't remember i had it pulled up um earlier i i know that the first games are on tuesday and wednesday uh here i have it pulled up so tuesday and wednesday uh then the eastern conference uh second game is on or the eastern conference game for the eight seed is on thursday and friday is the western conference one so uh after that i don't know if they have the playoff schedule set in stone yet so who knows uh we may be doing a post game show i've I hope so because it at least means the Lakers won the playing game. So, uh, but yeah, it it has been a whirlwind of a season. 
and uh, hopefully it ends in another championship. We will know in a handful of weeks. Until then, uh, we'll we'll catch you next week for another episode. And uh, yeah, let's see what happens with the Lakers.